Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Adam Homey, and I am your host. I'm once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that may change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Today, I come to you from the balcony of my sumptuous apartment here in Las Vegas, Nevada, known to some as the hottest city in America. And you may hear the rustling of leaves as we have a little bit of a wind here. We're in the temperate time of our very interesting climate here in Las Vegas. So I'm soaking up every possible moment to sit outside. And isn't that where you find yourself sometimes when you're having those conversations and making those discoveries? Doesn't often happen in a seminar room or staring at a computer screen. So what we are going to cover today is something that is very, very real, very visceral to a lot of our viewers and listeners. And this is about how to deal with difficult business clients. So there are some tips on how to do that. And you are going to discover that A, it's not the end of the world. B, it's not something that nobody's ever done with before, dealt with before. We've all had those clients from hell, those customers from Hades. We've also had situations where we sometimes found ourselves kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing, maybe not knowing what to say, maybe not being prepared for the onslaught, maybe not realizing what you had on your hands until you got an unexpected surprise. So what we're going to do today is we're going to bifurcate that a bit, and we're going to give you some tools that are going to enable you to be more effective when all of this comes up. And if there's time, we may delve a little bit into another topic that's of interest because we have somebody today who is what I like to call a polyglot, somebody who has a lot of different interests and can share on a lot of different things. His name is Stan Popovich. He is the author of the popular Managing Fear book, A Layman's Guide to Managing Fear. And for more information about the book and to get some free mental health advice, you can visit his website at www.managingfear.com. So just a little bit about him. Um, Stan, like me, is a Penn State graduate and also, like me, has struggled with fear and anxiety over some of the time in his life. And there have been times when he felt like giving up, where his anxieties and fears were so powerful, he had trouble getting through each week. And it was scary for him because he did not know what to do or where to turn for help. Now, in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, I do share the story of the time when I had not one, but three clients from hell at the same time what it did to my mental state, and what ultimately happened to my printer, which had to pay the price for all of this. So we're going to start with managing difficult clients, and we may delve a little bit into the managing fear piece of it as we go along. Stan Popovich, come on in. The weather's fine. Hello, how are you? Good, good. Now, as I understand, uh, you're in the Pittsburgh area, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yep, I'm from there. I uh, lived in that area for the first 36 years of my life. I moved to Las Vegas in November 2013, so obviously I'm quite familiar. Now, I uh, shared a little bit about your personal story and also your official bio, and there's a lot to to break down just from the little bits I shared. And having had a chance to check out some of your credentials and some of your work, Candidly, I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. So uh, what we like to do here before we get into the topics is uh, 
I tell the official version. And then what I'll ask you to do is tell us something about your journey and what's brought you to where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Go for it. I struggled with fear and anxiety for over 20 years. It was really worse when I started uh, started at Penn State in 1990. Okay. From 1990 on, I struggled a lot, and I kept notes on how to get through each day. And in 2003, I published my notes into a small book called A Layman's Guide to Managing Fear. Uh-huh. I then also created my website, managingfear.com, where I offer a lot of free mental health advice for people who are struggling just like me. Yeah, and uh, and I don't think there's any reason not to acknowledge that anxiety and fear are a very real thing. So in your experience, where where do you think some of that comes from with folks? And I and again, I haven't met anybody who hasn't dealt with this. Every person is different, but uh, everyone should know that everybody deals with fear and anxiety at some level. It just depends on their situation. For me, it's more biological, but brain chemistry where I'm just born to have the genes where I'm susceptible to uh, to anxiety and stress. Other people just get stress and anxiety due to their uh, environments. It all depends on their situation. But the number one thing in order to get over those mental health issues is to admit that you have a problem and to get some help. Yeah, ab- absolutely. See, for me, it was a whole variety of factors stemming from childhood and uh, what I dealt with through the age educational system in particular uh, that put me in this bind between being the quote unquote smart kid who was uh, such a genius and future leader of America and everything else, but at the same time being thoroughly ostracized often by the same people who would make comments about my genius. And it often came about whenever Oh my goodness! They found out I wasn't perfect, or I, uh, or I, or I didn't immediately master every subject, or I questioned in any way the narrative, or had this idea of, you know, any center of my own intersection of my brilliance and my passion. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking of this. I had forgotten about this memory for so long, but now it's coming back to me. I can even see myself sitting in the classroom where I had seventh grade and uh, the class doing an assignment where we went through the classifieds to find a job we wanted to apply for. And I picked security guard for some reason. Now, everybody else picked whatever they wanted to pick, but uh, I picked security guard. Like, why would you pick security guard? Why would you want to do something like that? Nobody thought to ask, well, what's interesting about being a security guard? So to me, I think, and again, I know some of it's biological, but also some of it stems from a sense of worrying that they may be attacked, criticized, or ostracized based on patterns they've experienced. Yes, that's correct. Many people deal with stress and anxiety for various reasons. It also makes it more difficult when you have people around you who do not understand your situation and can't relate to you. So yeah. what I try to do is to first admit, like admit, like I just said, admit that you have a problem and get some help. Then yeah. once you start getting help, you have to be be careful in how you address your situation to other people. Usually, I don't tell anybody anything. And if, if someone does ask questions, I tell them the bare minimum because the less people know, the better. Uh, you can always always share more information with the people you trust, but in a given, there's always going to be someone who's going to give you a hard time, but you can't let them uh, stop you f- from trying to improve your life. Right, 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 right. When we get into entrepreneurship, we find out that we have to deal with these entities known as clients. And I have been blessed with an abundance of riches with some of the amazing clients I've had over the course of my life. At the same time, I've had a few absolute clients from hell. So I want to look at two different things here, Stan, starting from this foundation of mental health. is and I think the two are actually related, is that, and we'll do these one at a time. First of all, from the perspective of the entrepreneur, uh, you know, what gets them into situations where they end up with difficult clients in the first place? and what do you think drives 
either their reactions or their feelings toward it in such a way that at least for some it may be perceived as a mountain becoming a molehill before you know excuse me a molehill becoming a mountain before you know it okay well first thing before you do anything when you're dealing with people the more people you deal with the chances are you're going to end up with somebody who you aren't going to get along with or give, give you problems so that is a given so instead of waiting till something happens and just it realize to yourself that sooner or later regardless of how good you are or how good your business is you're always going to end up with someone who's going to give you a hard time so there's a lot of things you can do prepare ahead of time before before you start dealing with these business, difficult business clients and usually people are like surprised because they have a good business and 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 they do everything that they can and then you get this client who who's uh, just doesn't doesn't understand the situation and and they jump off the hook and they get on your case. So I think the main thing you can do is to prepare ahead of time. And there's a lot of things you can do to do that. Such as? Okay. Number one, uh, admit to yourself that uh, you're going to have difficult times with certain people. So what I recommend is make sure you have a good business foundation. Because more than likely, if someone gives you a hard time, they're going to complain to other people. And yeah. people are going to look you online. So before you start doing business with other people, you should have a good foundation, especially online, so that if somebody does give you problems, you have a foundation of business reviews from other people who can back you up. So be, having a good business reputation, especially online, so if someone, when someone does complain, uh, you will have a, the business resources that will counter any negative effects from those people. Number two, always get everything in writing when dealing with people because uh, they'll say, well, I, I said this, uh, I, I wanted this. So always get everything in writing. This will prevent you, this will prevent any legal lawsuits where you can lose a lot of money. So right so even before dealing with the people, you should always try to get everything in writing. Uh -huh. Those are some of the things you can do ahead of time before dealing with these people. Right, right. You know, I had this client a few well actually oh my goodness it's been over 10 years but yet it feels like just yesterday isn't it funny how that works sometimes so this uh, client was referred to me by another client uh, on the surface they seemed like somebody I'd really enjoy working with now over the course of working with them uh, they kept trying to introduce feature creep and creatively re creatively interpret what the agreement said somehow Installing WordPress and creating a tutorial on how to add blog posts to three blogs under three different keywords became that we would professionally copyright three Dan Kennedy sales letters from scratch. Somehow they mm -hmm. made that juxtaposition in their mind. That was the most extreme example, but there were so many other places where they would say, um, uh, uh, well, but you said you do. No, no, it's bullet point in the agreement. It's not there. Mm -hmm. Or I would point out something that we did say we would do and say, I never asked for that. Yeah, you did. It's in the bullet points. Um, so I got the project to a place where finally I just set aside all the noise and I said, okay, look, here, here's what's going to happen. I've been going back and forth with this client. And every time I bring up the agreement, they say, oh, I don't know where it is. I can't find my copy. Uh, uh, can you send it to me again? And then that's like will repeat itself over and over again. Finally, I whipped out the agreement myself and I looked at the bullet points. I said, okay, this one, done. This one, done. This one, not done. This one, not done. This one, done. This one, not done. Crossed out the ones that were done and just went through and systematically and banged out all the ones that weren't done so I could look at all those and see check marks next to all of them. And then I mm -hmm. wrote to the client. I said, okay, we've done everything and it is time for us to have those three coaching calls that are the final part of our work together. Very excited for those. And it took her about 12 seconds to write back and say, you haven't done a damn thing for me. And the funny thing is, is she attached the PDF scan of the agreement that was covered with her scribble notes and even had coffee cup rings on it. So the whole time this agreement she claimed she hadn't seen, she was studying obsessively and somehow yep. managing to not read. So at that yes, so yes. at that point I just uh, said uh, yeah I can actually identify right now how we did each of these thirteen things they're all complete I'll be happy to film a video and show it to you. oh oh no that's okay uh, 
Okay, many of your listeners can probably relate to that, but see, it's not done yet. This is this is where you got to anticipate and protect yourself because uh-huh. you know, even though you've done everything, there are always going to be people who are going to be like that and complain. Yeah. So instead of just saying, "Well, okay, thank you for your time," you know that the next thing they're going to do is they're going to find people to complain about. More than likely yeah. nowadays, they're going to go online. So that is why it's important to have a strong online reputation because when people like that. Uh, get angry and mean, they will automatically go online and feel vengeance that they, they uh, that they'll attack you. And yeah. so if you anticipate that ahead of time by having a good reputation, you can also monitor your online situation. And so when you get like uh, get something from that person, you can uh, counter that by saying, explaining your situation. So you have to be active and anticipate what they're doing, what they may do ahead of time. So when they do attack you, you'll be prepared because you don't want one or two of those people affect your business reputation down down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. I learned, uh, I actually, and I did actually have that happen to me once where somebody decided to turn around and trash me. You know what the best part was? Is what? I saw the red flags coming at me like Bay Bay and Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker to look out for. If you have a prospective client who tells you how your predecessor or the company they're working with now who you're aiming to supplant or what have you are the most evil people in the world and the source of all wrong and they've screwed them over and yada, 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 and everything's their fault, eventually they're going to say that about you to the person they want to replace you with. Exactly. When you're dealing with somebody, it's important to listen. Listen to everything they say and look for yeah. any red flags. If, if if they seem like they're complaining a lot about their past and people that they worked with, chances are they're going to complain about you eventually. Yeah. I mean, now there's a difference. Now, maybe they come to you and they say, you know, we're working with this company and they mean well, but uh, we're just not hitting the targets. Or, you know, we, we've been we've been with this one company for six months and we're just not quite feeling a synergy there and we think it's mutual. Or, you know, it's been three years and we're just ready to change things up and they're kind of ready to move on too. Well, you know, not everything ends perfectly and not everything ends up being a long-term fit. And there's also room for that. I ended up getting a great client where their project manager's approach to me was simply, yeah, you know, these people, they're nice, but they're just not really delivering what we were hoping for. So, and then I, and then I asked, uh, okay, so what, where's the gap between your expectations and what you're receiving? And they were able to identify those. And then they asked, okay, so is, are these, is this something that you can do? I, and it turned out the answer was yes. And uh, I didn't feel like I was stealing anybody's business, by the way. I felt like I was liberating a competitor so they could find a better fit client. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to use your gut feeling. When you're dealing with people, you just have to use your gut and your past experiences and, and make the best decision as to how you want to go go forth. Yeah. Now, speaking of online reviews and reputation, this is a story I tell in my book as well. I, I about, about uh, what was it, seven years ago, I had this laptop. It was a 2013 model Samsung. It was a year out of warranty. And I'd gotten to the point where the few of the keys had come loose and I was having a hard time typing on it. So I needed to uh, get the keyboard replaced. Now I did uh, some Google research on how to replace a keyboard. And then when I took my findings and the laptop to this one computer shop I'd found, they said, sorry, we can't help you. And the reason for that is I was trying to tell them what I had found on the internet and they said, no, it doesn't quite work that way. So mm-hmm. I actually went to a couple other places and I asked and I and I did the same thing with them and they told me the same thing. I ended up going back to the original shop and the way I reapproached them is I said, hey, uh, hey, I was in your shop earlier tonight uh, and I just um, wanted to say that I, I did some further research on this. I went to this other shop. I spoke with my friend who's a computer repairman in Montana And uh, I did some further research and it turns out I may have been mistaken. And that actually not, we don't actually pop the thing open and replace the keyboard. We actually have to replace the top shelf of the entire machine. 
And uh, helpfully, I found a few examples of some junk laptops of my same model that we could possibly buy. And he mm -hmm. wrote back and he said, bring it in. Um, I'll order the parts for you and I won't even uh, charge you the uh, $50 reservation fee because I trust you. Now, here's, now here's why I end up going back to the original shop. It had to do with the online reviews I seen before I approached them in the first place. On a scale of one to five, they had about a 4.3. Now, in computer repair, you're bound to get some people where no matter what you do, you can't make them happy. That's just the nature of the beast. In mm -hmm. those reviews, I was looking for I was looking for a couple things. I was looking to see that, that was my phrasing, that. They had unsatisfied customers. I wanted to know that they weren't perfect. That's number one. I wanted to know that they had an imperfect track record. I wanted to see how they handled it when they got those reviews. And I liked the approach that they took to it, which was basically a uh, come on, let's fix it approach. And for the and for the couple that um, they uh, that were just absolute trolls and really just didn't really want to do nothing but whine and bitch. It would say, look, I approached you on this date, this date, and this date. I called you. I left you messages. I sent you emails. I'm here right now if you want to give me a call and let's talk this through. But just so you know, I'm reaching out. If you want to solve this, that's great. If you just want to complain, your complaint's now on record. Thank you very much. And I mm -hmm. like that approach because they were drawing a line saying, hey, I'll do the right thing. But you got to let me do the right thing. And I and I admire the fact that they stuck to their principles and didn't bend to somebody who just wanted to break them. And the reason I wanted to see all this data is because I wanted to know that if I turned out to be one of those cases where they were, they were just having difficulties giving me good service and take care of me on the back end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, one thing I usually recommend is in addition – on some places they have a rating where you have a check mark and then like a four out of five stars. Yeah. Uh, I always try to go to the, uh, the next thing and ask people to actually write a review. Uh, the more, the better. So that, because people, when they see a rating, they just see a rating and ratings can go up and down. But if right. you have a written uh, review explaining the situation, how, what they did, what the customers did and what they thought and everything, and then you can post that all, everywhere online and on your website so that when people see your rating, then they'll look can read, read your reviews and get even more information to see how you operate. Because the written reviews do not change over time, but the ratings can go up and down. So I wouldn't rely too much on the ratings because if someone comes in and gives you a bad review, then you, and you have a 4.0 rating out of a 5, and then the next week you have like maybe a 3.0. But if you have detailed reviews from customers as to how, what they thought of your business, you can always use that to your advantage. Right, right. Another thing to look out for is if it looks like they have a three out of five star rating, but all the reviews are like top notch. Mm -hmm. That's how that can tell you one of two things that um, they actually have really low ratings and they're getting a few people to post positive reviews to try and turn that around. Or they're just getting a lot of trolls who yeah. go in and just randomly collect, click low numbers. Uh, but the people who are leaving legitimate reviews are saying, hey, this is a good business. So yeah. sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper on that. Okay. So I love so I love this. And I hadn't even thought of this. The importance of building an online reputation, actually building a tribe that will be there to back you up in the case you get a hater. Yeah, the more the better, too. Yeah. So um, – so what do you suggest for people? And, and this can be a real anxious, fearful situation when you as a service provider or the person serving a client, things go wrong and it's, well, it's actually your fault because you're not perfect. Well, that's uh, of customers value honesty and ethics. Okay. If you're not honest with your customers, they're going to see that. If you make a mistake, admit it. Don't try to hide it and blame other people. Because you, every, everyone knows that people make mistakes, but they all also will look at you a lot differently if you admit your mistake, explain what happened and how you're going to correct a situation, rather than just blaming other people for other people's mistakes or whatever. So yeah, uh, customers value honesty. I mean, you don't have to go into great detail in terms of what went wrong, 
but you got to show that you care about your employees, that you're not trying to get as much money out of them as possible. And that if you're making a mistake, if you make a mistake, you're willing to admit it and, uh, and, and tell that with your clients even before that. Uh, even when, at my job, I, I even tell people that I work with, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. It's, it's eventuality that sooner or later something's going to go wrong. But it's how you deal with it is what counts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think I think that's absolutely the case because I've been in business for 20 years. I will admit that I've goofed up once or twice. And that's really and that's really all you can do is make a conscientious effort to resolve it. So so far, you've given us a couple of your tips on how to deal with uh, difficult clients. And the big one, I think, is preparing ahead of time. And you also mentioned getting everything in writing. And I think we've uh, started to delve into three and four a little bit. Um, and I, I know you listed those for me as listen to your customers and learn to communicate effectively. So what are some other things that we uh, want to keep in mind when it comes to those points? Also, another thing a lot of people uh, take for granted is use your employees for help. Uh, instead of trying to just rely on yourself or another manager, Use, use your resources by ta uh, talking with your coworkers and your employees and seeing what they think and getting their advice. I mean, if you're paying them, you might as well take advantage of their resources because some of those people might be able to give you additional insights and advice on how to deal with certain situations. So just because they may not be a manager doesn't mean that you can still ask for advice and, and, and maybe they might be able to help you. So just don't rely on one or two managers and figure, well, that's it. And not only that, uh, get involved in different business groups and networking environments around your area or online. And so when a situation comes up, use your network and just say, you know, uh, this is what's going on. Do you have any advice for me? Yeah. And I'll just come out and say it. Sometimes if you're getting trolled really nastily, people will come to your defense. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who's like a who's like a 19 time author had this guy leave this really, really scathing negative review of one of her books on Amazon. Uh, and uh, and uh, not only that, but then he went and encouraged people to uh, to uh, join, to pile in and to upvote his review because for some reason he decided he wanted to trash her. So that got my that actually got my blood boiling a little bit. And I went and researched the guy and I found out that in his bio he called himself a wannabe writer. Um, and a uh, and an am and an amateur track runner. So I replied to his review, and among other things, I said, I, I said, you know, she's a 19-time published author with uh, 18 Amazon International bestsellers, and she completes Ironman triathlons. So mm -hmm. I'm really not sure what a wannabe writer who does a little amateur track running has to say about anything related to her very existence so why are you even here and actually, uh, actually there's another thing you can do yeah that a lot of people don't think of is when when you get a bad review the uh, the automatic reaction is go online and attack the person yeah so you want to play their game so when they get the uh whatever it is that they're tooling and they write this bad review read the review read it four or five times okay study it and then ask yourself how much of it is true? How much is it not? But most of all, you want to know what is it they're attacking you for? If they're saying, well, I have bad customers, this, this business had bad customer service. So what you do is then you go online and you uh, uh, get examples of how you provide great customer service. Because someone reading that review is going to say, well, okay, uh, these are the complaints uh, that this person's saying. So they'll look online. If you address those situations online, they'll be like, oh, well, according to these people, this person, they have great customer service. So when they're complaining, it will fall on deaf ears if you can prove that they're wrong. Well, cer certainly. And the example I just gave you, this is just somebody looking for attention. Yes. Yeah. Even, uh, what you're referring to might who. be a little bit. Yeah. What you're referring to. Uh, might have a slight different thing to it, at least from where I'm sitting anyway, is this is somebody who either has a you know, really legitimate complaint about the service, possibly, and possibly it's a matter that they're just one of those people who complain about anything. Yes. 
Yeah, you have, you have to listen to what they're saying, and if there's any validity to what they're saying, then you address that online so that when people look into it, you can prove them wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the other tips? Uh, let's keep going. Okay, always prepare for surprises. Uh, when you're dealing with difficult clients or even clients in general, things are going to happen that will catch you off guard. So be flexible, be understanding, and be ready to go when something does go wrong. Like let's say if there's a short of the staff and, and something's not getting done. Instead of complaining, getting upset and yelling at your coworkers or, or your employees or whatever, you try to fix the situation and then learn from your mistake. Learn from your mistakes is another thing. If you do have a, a situation where uh, you dealt with a client and there were a lot of problems and everything went okay, you try to look back and say, well, how can I improve so the next time this doesn't happen again? So always learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. Now, we've covered red flags, signals, and we've also looked at some of the things we can do to prepare ourselves, lay the groundwork, and have backup are mm-hmm. some of the key things I'm seeing from your list here. And uh, one thing I've, and one thing that um, I'm wondering is over time, you know, I, you know, for myself, I discovered over time, I, I mean, I went from having three clients from hell at the same time to having a business where I love everybody I work with. Uh, I have discovered my own set of parameters and set of indicators that tell me that somebody just might not be a great fit. So what are some, in your experience in this area, some things well, you might see with people- your employees rather than your clients, you have to treat yeah. your employees with respect. Well, yeah. That's the number one thing. You can't take advantage of them because uh, you, you, you listen to all these companies and, and you talk to workers and you hear all these things. So you have to respect your employees. You've got to treat them with respect. If you, if you treat them nicely, then they'll treat you nicely. Also, you've got to have them motivated. Uh, if they do good, motivate. I mean, reward them. You know, give them praise. Maybe give them a bonus for someone like that. I mean, uh, people will work for you if you help them and, and do their job. But I know that a lot of people might not like this, but I, I feel that if you really want to motivate your employees, you should share in some of the profits and bonuses. Uh, because if if some, if one of your workers knows if they work hard and they're going to get something like money or some kind of praise or reward, it's going to motivate them to do even more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 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 because if a lot of companies and even managers, they just say, well, you know, too bad, nice work, pat in the back, and that's it. Well, put yourself in your shoes. If you're working for a company and you're working night and day, 24, uh, eight hours, 16 hour days, every day of the week, I mean, you probably want to get some appreciation, something in return. So, you got to take that into consideration when you're uh, work, having other people work for you. Absolutely. You know, in my book, I I share this story. In my early days, I had this web hosting company I worked with. Um, they were just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, the, the the service they delivered. I, I mean, I, I I didn't believe that such things were even possible in terms of the greatness thereof. So uh, I got almost all my clients to get accounts with them and highly recommended them. Uh, uh, it's one of the few cases in my life where I was a truly active affiliate and made real money with it. So that company was great for a while. Then they got bought out by some conglomerate. Then they got bought out by somebody else. Now, in the meantime, a lot of their infrastructure started going to hell. So mm-hmm. imagine having something that a web company sells, and they call it WordPress optimized hosting. And yet, it seems like almost every other day your server's crashing. And every time you live chat in, they say, well, your WordPress sites caused it to crash. Like this is WordPress hosting. You call it that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't do the stuff with the MySQL and the PHP and the max execution time and stuff to make WordPress work well. And they say, well, you, you people and you add all these plugins and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not me. Okay. No, not me and not and not my clients because uh, at the time I was in web development. We don't do that stuff. So uh, what we need to know is what needs to happen for these servers to work. And I began to suspect after a while that they were just heading for some kind of technological disaster. And lo and behold, their, incom- their entire company went down for almost a week because if I remember correctly, their fire extinguishers went off in their server, in their server room and 
they didn't properly protect the line to their backup cluster, which means they had to recover everything. And I was the first person to say, I told you so. So here's what I think happened. They, they weren't upgrading their servers. They weren't upgrading their systems. And it was causing a lot of problem for the great customer service on the front line. And, and over time, customer service became, became surly. In fact, I know a number of people that pulled out of that company because of one particular negative experience they had with the tech support rep. And uh, which is funny because what turned me on to them was how great their tech support reps had been. So the tech support reps would say the servers aren't good. Servers are cracking. And uh, middle management would... Uh, relay this upward to senior management and senior management would say now yeah, you know these people with their wordpress sites and their themes and their plugins and their and their streaming their mp3s and everything you got to take that with a grain of salt and understand that uh, people don't know how to manage their wordpress sites and then that management gets permeated down to the tech so you're a frontline tech support rep at what point do you stop getting your fist bloody by beating them on the wall and just start punching in and going through the motions. And at what point beyond that, because you haven't yet lined up a new job, you can't exactly warn the customers that they would be better off somewhere else, but you can send an indirect message that they would be better off somewhere else and kind of give them a push to leave. And I have seen instances, not with this company specifically that I know of, but I've seen instances, particularly with tech support departments, customer service, and IT, where it gets to a point where the frontline people just intentionally be rude to their customers because they want the company to fail. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, they're actually they're actually in a way doing their customers a favor in their mind because they're saying. Well, these people want to plug from us and go from somewhere else, and then they'll just end up having a better experience. So um, it sucks, but I'm doing them a favor. And by the way, screw you, senior management. Uh, I tried to tell you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's how some employees think nowadays when they're not treated well. Yeah. Uh, we've heard of quiet resignation, quiet quitting and all that. Uh, but uh, uh, but there, but there's there's also that sort of thing going on where they will just quietly get rid of your clients for you. Yeah, in terms in terms of employees, a lot of your listeners are listening and, and saying, "Well, I'm an employee, and I deal with difficult customers, and I'm afraid of losing my job, of what may happen." So, for those people, if you're an employee and your job is to deal with clients, and you and you have a, a bad situation, let's say, and you did your best. And, uh, and your boss comes in and starts yelling at you about what happened because of all these customers complaining about you and you tell them exactly what you happened and you did your best and they don't support you. If manager doesn't support you, that's a red flag right there that you, the manager doesn't have your back. Now, if you make a mistake or if you mess up, then yes, that's your fault. But if you did everything you could, you follow the rules, you did your best and management doesn't support you, that should be an indication right there that they're not going to support you down the road. And that's when you have to start wondering, do I really want to be here or not? Because what you, have, what you don't want is the situation where you, they call you into the office one day and say, you're out of a job. Yeah. So you have to feel the situation, see how management and the company uh, works with you when a situation doesn't go according to plan, whether it, whether it's you or your team or whatever, you want to see how the company treats you and if they support you, because if they're not going to have your back, then something will happen down the road and they'll let you go. Yeah. Um, my In my last job, before I became a full-time entrepreneur, I worked for a company where uh, my job was to be the front-end contact person for the uh, billing and contracting department for out-of-network hospitals for members of our network who uh, uh, had inpatient hospital stays. So in other words, out-of-network cases. And um, and it was governed by the, and, and the rates that we were supposed to pay were governed by protocols established by the Pennsylvania Department of uh, Welfare. So here's what would happen. Uh, these facilities in other states would refuse to accept our rates and 
would demand uh, dollar amounts five, six times, and then they wouldn't sign the agreements. Then they would illegally try and uh, bill our members. It was actually illegal to do that. And then they would try and appeal the process. And then I would, um, and then I would, uh, it would uh, get to my boss's boss, who would then go to my boss, who would then come to me and say, you know, what we have this, we have this appeal going on. Well, you didn't try and negotiate this. And I said, yeah, actually, I came to you with this case. And when I told you what the provider representative was asking for, you told me to tell them that we do not negotiate at all. It's that rate. So how am I supposed to negotiate something you literally told me not to negotiate? Where do you have my back? Um, mm -hmm. after, a after a while, I figured out that they just stuck me there to take abuse. And uh, that helped me make my decision that climbing the corporate ladder wasn't going to be the direction I was headed. Yes, well, a lot of people wait until the last minute until something actually does happen. So you have to be proactive, and because usually it won't happen just right away. No, usually it's a red flag, and you have to like. And when you see that red flag, then you got to start saying, "Well, okay, what am I going to do?" And that's important. And then when you have a, a, an updated resume, because that way, because uh, because when you're, you're dealing with clients, you want to be stressed. You don't want to be stressed and anxious all the time. But right. if you know that if you have a backup plan that, okay, if this is going to happen, this is what I'm going to do, you'll be, you'll feel a lot better about yourself and you'll feel less stressed and fearful about losing your job. Yeah. I became progressively less stressed over the situation when I turned more toward building my side hustle. Uh, I didn't know then what I know now. I didn't even know the questions asked or the questions were available. Uh, I went back and forth on that seesaw for two years. With what I know in 2023, that would have been about six weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. just because I, I know how to leap into a business and make it something that you can use to support yourself. Uh, now what I, what made me progressively less and less fearful is I thought, okay, I can go through a, about a six month period where I start building on additional clients and chasing additional deals and taking on more projects, even if they're small ones, just to build up a bank and to build a network. So I started working on that and, uh, and I made a decision. Uh, at some point, a big ship is going to sail in. I'm going to board it, and I'm going to sail right on out of there. Once you know it, about six months later, one of my existing clients um, had a major six-month project coming up that they wanted a lot of my help with, and I got them to commit to a certain dollar amount in terms of retainer for six months. And uh, you know, I, I prayed on it, and I thought on it, and I decided, you know what? This is six months that I'm going to have where I'm not going to have to deal with this job where aside from taking care of this client account, which is going to be about 20 hours a week, plus I'm going to have real revenue. I'm, I'm going to build my business in those six months. And lo and behold, that's what I did. But what gave me some of the lower amounts of stress was no, along the way was knowing that at least I was working on it. And, you know, my suggestion is, um, you know, uh, in this day and age, particularly find something else you can monetize. So that if something happens to your job, you have a stopgap. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about that, and a lot of listeners are probably saying, "Well, that's easy to say, Adam, because you had you had uh, resources." But in my situation, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't have those resources. So what was do I. I, do? I was paycheck so to paycheck. I, yeah, I was paycheck to paycheck too, my friend. So yeah, um, yeah so, it's not easy. Yeah, and if you don't have the resources, like like a business entrepreneur, then there's other things you can do. Uh, the manager your stress and anxiety. I mean, you could talk to a counselor, a mental health counselor, who uh -huh. can maybe give you insights on how to deal with situations. You can maybe take a class online to learn a new skill so that you can get out of that position so that you do have something. Because a lot of people might not have the education or the experience. So this is when it's a good time to maybe take an online class, like write something that you'd like to do, and just learn a new skill. It could take a couple of weeks. It's online. It's free, probably. And you could take advantage of that. You could probably start learning how to network and maybe talk to your friends and things like that. So a lot of mm -hmm. people who don't have the education or the experience to just change jobs, especially when it's tough job environment and finding a job in certain situations, there's always other options you can take advantage of. So your situation isn't hopeless. It just takes a little bit of work on your part. Well, it was a tight job market now and it was a tight job market back when I was doing it. Now, I would also urge people to look at some of the unprecedented resources that are out there to help you raise money, earn money, and monetize skills you have. Like, uh, like uh, I don't really do a lot of marketing there right now, but I do have a Fiverr account. And I, you know, I log into that sometimes. And I look at some of the gigs that are available. And I'm thinking to myself, 
20 years ago, me could have been doing this stuff. Yes. So, uh, and, and, and I mean, Fiverr is not just people looking for, for people to design logos. There are all kinds of work you can do. Yes. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Or you could even, you I mean, you could even ask, um, uh, you know, you might have some friends who are some small business owners who might need some temporary or occasional help. And that mm-hmm. might be another bridge for you. Yeah, there's all kind of opportunities online and around your year. You just have to uh, put an effort into it and work hard and find those opportunities. Yeah. And so if you have the client from hell, well, you can go get another client. Yes. There, there's all, there's always that. Now, during that period when I have those three clients from hell, if we're going to come back to um the difficult client thing, there is this one in particular, and I swear, um, every single day he would stick his fingers in what we were doing. He would mess everything up, and then he would demand that we drop everything and fix it right then. And uh, he would call every five minutes, want to know is it done yet? Is it done yet? My business is falling apart. Duh, 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 duh. And I'm thinking to myself. We do the exact same shit that we do for him, for all of our other clients. With everybody else that's working, it's just him that's the problem. Now, 15 years ago, me actually tolerated it. 2023, me would say, look, pal, you stick your fingers in our work one more time, you're going to get a two-word email from me that says you're fired and there'll be no appeal. Got it? Well, that and the guy was kind of a jerk, too. Um, for a nicer person, I might give a nicer version of it. I might say something like, uh, you, know, we, you know, we use these similar tactics with our other clients, and uh, here are some results of uh, it's working, it's getting these results here, these results here, these results here. And when I look at what you're doing, uh, the common theme I see is you're tinkering with the machine while we're building it, while we're trying to keep it running. So, uh in order for this relationship to work, um, I would suggest that you hang back and let us do our job. Ask questions if you have them. Uh, if you continue to interfere with what we're doing, uh, we may find ourselves in a situation where this just might not be a mutually beneficial relationship anymore. And let them yes. sit on, and let them sit on that for a day and decide what they want to do. Yes, if now, you address this situation, address this situation and let them know that they're not that they're not going to walk all over you too. I mean, yeah. you have to stick up for yourself. Yeah, the way the way I dealt with this one ultimately is um is uh yet another thing crash and burn because he wanted to tinker with it and uh I just got to the day where I said, "You know what? I really can't help you. My schedule's full." Mhm. And so he muttered some obscenities and hung up, and then he came back to me two hours later, giddy like a schoolboy who had just figured out how to program the TV remote, showing me how he had fixed it, and I said, good for you. Congratulations. And after that, he just kind of drifted off. Yes. Yeah, he's, uh, by the way, he's not in business anymore. He's uh, he's uh, now a mid-level manager somewhere. Uh, I actually feel bad for the guy because... And I think there might have been a mental health thing. And this is a great question that I think we could wrap up with. And I think he's a great example of that because I think in many ways he meant well. But I think he had something driving him that um, it was a combination. If you want the job right, do it yourself. And I think he may have had a track record of people badly serving him, breaking promises to him and letting him down. And him having to step in and fix it. So that pattern became so natural to him that he couldn't see the possibility that there were people out there who were earnestly going to try and do right by him. That anything mm-hmm. that represented anything other than the fantasy vision of how he wanted things to go, which was he snaps his fingers and literally everything's done perfectly, is a betrayal to him in some way. So mm-hmm. I think right there, that can be that can cause sort of a a perfect storm of an unhappy customer, a difficult customer, uh, and a service provider who just can't seem to do right by them. And themselves will start to feel, well, maybe I failed here. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to understand that nowadays people are angry and you, you don't know their past situation. You don't know what they're going through. They could be going through a divorce or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't take it personally. I mean, all you can do is do your best, but like I said, use the resources that you have, 
talk to your talk to your coworkers, talk to other managers, ask for advice. Instead of just putting it all on you, uh, use the services around you to get some good advice. So that way, if something doesn't go right, you know that you tried and it wasn't just about you. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also worth it and get your thoughts on this. Some things just weren't meant to be like some relationships weren't meant to happen. Uh, all sides of the relationship meant well. It just it, the, the synergy just isn't there. And that difficult client, maybe they're just not the client you're supposed to have. They might be a difficult yes. client for you. They might be a dream client for somebody else. Yes, every situation is different, and you have to take each person and each situation situation the way it is. That's why it's important to have a good reputation, especially mm -hmm. online, because these things will happen if you are in business and work with different people. These things will happen. So be prepared. Have a good reputation. Uh, when these situations do happen, know how to resolve them. Try to learn from your mistakes and improve the situation. So when you get another person like that, you'll be better able to deal with those situations. All right. So. Stan Popovich has decades of experience with this. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he was about uh, four years ahead of me at Penn State, so he's been professionally involved in this uh, at least as long as I have. And uh, the whole thing about managing fear and stopping it, fear and anxiety for taking over your life, if you feel in any way that this could be impacting you um, as a client, as a service provider, as a consultant, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as a boss, uh, even in your personal pursuits, visit his website. Go to www.managingfear.com. That's managingfear.com. Great domain, by the way. And on that website, you're going to see opportunities to find free mental health advice that can help you through all of those things. And I also encourage you to check out the book, managing fear i'm gonna pick up a copy of it for myself i'm really excited about it. it's on all major retailers you can go to the order link on the website and you'll and you'll see it so please please check that out for yourself and with that stan popovich thank you so much for being with us today it's been an honor and believe me in education thank you thank you for inviting me we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.